Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the very first episode of Ooh To Be A Podcast, the first podcast from the Huddersfield Examiner about Huddersfield Town. My name's Raj Baines. Uh, you should remember me from the first teaser trailer we put out if you bother to listen to it. Today I'm, I'm not on my own, it's like a saddle talking to myself. I'm joined by Rory Benson. Rory, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks mate. Really uh, looking forward to it and hopefully get into some some of the biggest stories of the week. Yeah, um... Before we get started, though, if we sort of explain to people who we are so that we're not just sort of random voices. Yeah. <laughs> they've, pro- they've probably heard your voice before. My voice is probably new to them. I've written the odd thing for the sport pages, but um, not that much as yet. Um, but what's your background sort of before you came to the examiner and stuff? Yeah, well, before I came here, I was working for um, sort of different papers around the country. I uh, worked up uh, Newcastle Chronicle, uh, Liverpool Echo, Manchester Evening News, uh, down in Wales as well. Um, all on sport, mostly kind of helping out here and there, transfer stories, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, and then came to Huddersfield last August, which was probably the uh, the best time to to join. Um, and we've had a bit of a whirlwind sort of sort of year here. So yeah, yeah. better place to be than Newcastle or Liverpool or anywhere like that. None of those big cities. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's 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 different, and it's to be honest, I quite like the atmosphere down here, and obviously it's. You know, last season is probably the best atmosphere in the country in terms of football. So, you know, it's been a, an incredible journey in, over this last year and, and before that as well, leading up to it. How have you found sort of reporting on the club compared to sort of the other places you've been? Is it a, a different experience? Because it's sort of Huddersfield's always given off as a family um, environment and a family club. Sort of, they've won so many awards for being sort of a community club. Is that something that's come across? Obviously, as I think cummerinas as we call them around here. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. It's completely different to what well, you know, Manchester, the Manchester clubs. You, you can't get a word in anyway with anyone. Um, it's much harder. You have to do it through different sort of channels. Huddersfield, there is a, a direct line that we have to the club. Um, and yeah, the, is it a big red phone on? Somebody's desk. <laughs> Unfortunately, not. It's not. It's not next to the nuclear clothes or anything like that. But no, it's uh, you know, it's 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 much uh, nicer to be able to talk to the people that you're you know you're trying to report on, and hopefully we can we can get that across as much as possible and try and be as open and and as sort of clear as as we can in terms of getting across Huddersfield Town stories to the fans. Those nuclear clothes would probably be safer with us at the minute, though. Could be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the less said about that, uh, the better. If I explain a bit about myself as well, it's not just a, a one-way conversation. I was a freelancer for a while. I still am. Um, I'm writing about lots of different clubs, anyone that takes me fancy. Mainly Tottenham, who are my club. Uh, I'm not actually a Huddersfield fan, even though I was born and bred here. Uh, Tottenham is our family club, so it wasn't really a, a choice for me. Uh, I was raised in, in Leeds for my sins, um, so any dislike I have towards that club is genuine, it's not artificial. Obviously being raised uh, as a Tottenham fan in the 90s in Leeds while well, they were good and we were not, 
should we say, I had to stop myself swearing then, um, was interesting. But obviously, uh, things change. I think Huddersfield are a perfect example of that. But I'm a, a season ticket holder at town. I have been for some time since I moved back here. Uh, one of my best mates is a massive fan, so I'll go with him. Um, so I've watched them first and I've written about them lots over the past few years, even since uh, Chris Powell was in charge and you know Clark and all that sort of I've watched that all days. that, yeah, those that those uh, League One days and things. I've watched all that, um, all that I'm perfectly aware of and have seen. So, um, by no means a sort of glory supporter, or you know, one of the things I'm often asked the most is, you know, how is it going to be strange for you watching Huddersfield play Tottenham next year? And it's, it's not because if I'm being perfectly honest, I'll quite happily watch Tottenham Scott ten, but. If Tottenham win 38 games a season and Huddersfield win 36, I'll be happy. Because I've got a soft spot for them, obviously, being my hometown club, but I wouldn't ever want to claim them as my own. Where will you be then? We'll be in the home, home stand. I'll be in my seat, yeah. I'm not. I'm still a Yorkshireman. I'm not paying twice for, for it. I've got my own season ticket on halfway in the Kilner Bank. Um, so I'll be in there. I have jokes with me, mate, that I'll wear my Spurs shirt and whatnot, but uh, he's not having any of it. I'll have to sit on my hand uh, if... Uh, I say if, when Tottenham score, probably is the, the more likely one. But uh, before people get too mad at me, uh, if we move on, the, the main thing we should probably talk about today is the new signings because there have been a lot of them, and probably rightly too. Um, sort of see if they, if we think they're good business, discuss them individually, where we think they'll fit in with the squad, the reasons behind buying them. Um, because I think at present it's somewhere around the 30 million mark that. Huddersfield have spent, and I'm fairly sure in saying before this season will have started, that figure is probably more than what the club was worth previously, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. If you, if you were to try and take them over. So, in context, it's a, a ridiculous amount of money. Um, first person through the door, Laurent de Potra, for three and a half million. Um, unfavourably nicknamed the Bricklayer, um, I think, from Porto. Um, have you been impressed with him since he, he's come in? Because it was sort of, that one came out of the blue. There was the leaked player picture with his agent yeah. and his contract, yeah. which I don't think the, the club were too amused with. Um, it was launched at about 10 o'clock at night, so it yeah. was a sort of a, yeah. a rush job. But um, it's been uphill since then. What, what have you made of it? Yeah, no, it's, as you said, he came in and it was it was sort of a strange one. I don't think anyone really... Really, you know, he wasn't really linked beforehand. The first we knew about it was sort of, you know, he was at he was at the stadium, and then an hour later, his his agents tweeted a picture of him signing, and the club said he haven't signed, and you know, it was all a bit a bit of a drama. But no, I think he's going to be a player that David Wagner's going to, you know, the type of player that David Wagner wants in the club. He's he's a, he's big, and he'll give him another option, but he also works hard. And from what I've seen of him in pre season, you know, he he does put the groundwork in. Um, do I think he's is that his bricklaying? Yeah, yeah <laughs> he's got the foundations there. No, I, I think um, I don't think he'll start that regularly this season. To be honest, I think he'll be on the bench most of the time, especially the form that Steve Mooney's shown in pre-season as well. Yeah, um, but no, I, I think it's a good signing for for three point five mil in in the context of now. I mean, before this season, if Town hadn't got promoted, you'd say three and a half million pounds on someone who's going to sit on the bench. That's outrageous but <laughs> yeah. now you know 3.5 million you know sits on the bench if he scores five goals next year and earns the team eight points with those goals you know you know that's that's money well spent for me and I, I think it's know, a variety option isn't it yeah definitely because if you say on the bench now you've got say you start Steve Mooney in a one one up top sort of formation which I think will probably happen most yeah. of the season you'll have De Potra 
Wells on the bench. You know, mm. two completely different players. Also, Kwana can can play up front. Kachunga can play up front as well. So, no, I think one of the main things last season which Town struggled with was scoring goals. So, bringing in a striker as a as a sort of different a different option I yeah. think is a good idea he's probably going to take Heffley's up front minutes off of him yeah because it was something that happened quite often last season became a bit of a running joke because mm. sort of if Town needed a goal stick Heff up top um, and to be fair to the lad he did perfectly well I mean mm. the goal he scored off his ass at Villa was <laughs> <laughs> was one of the well, season even, highlights even Mark Hudson I think I remember playing yeah. up front in one game you know, and if you've got a striker who can play up front I I'd rather play a striker than Mark Hudson, to be honest, in front of goal. Yeah. Um, so I think that's sort of... Um, I think that might have been a bonus sign, if I'm being honest, because the, mm-hmm. the speed it happened, it almost feels as if it may have been someone who was offered to them rather yeah. than they scouted. And they'll have gone, you know what, for that price, we're looking at other options, but we need a bit of variety. He's got Champions League pedigree, international pedigree, and it's a, a good f- price for a, a top-tier yeah, striker. Um, I think it's one of those gambles where even if they do come to sell him in a year or two or whatever, even if you know it goes terribly and they need to get rid of him in January for any reason, three and a half million should be easy to recoup. And I think that's going to be a, a recurring theme throughout the signings yeah. is that these are all players who will hold value. Definitely. I also think it's, it's you know we need to point out that before he joined Porto, he was linked with the likes of Tottenham and that kind of thing when he was playing in, in Belgium with, with Ghent. Um, so you know he, he is he has been touted as quite a decent player. Um, yeah, I don't think things went well for him at Porto, but you know who knows? He, you know his build, he could be a decent Premier League striker. Yeah, sometimes these these things um, just don't work out at certain clubs. But mm-hmm. we've seen players with a similar build do well, and sort of you know Grant Holt for yeah. a season yeah, at exactly. Norwich and uh, Ricky Lambert at uh, Southampton before he went to Liverpool was yeah. really yeah, no, really good. So completely agree. For a gamble, as we say, there's there's no reason to to play that one down, really. Mm-hmm. Um, next through the door, 8 million raising to 10, Aaron Moy, number 10. Um, this, I mean, we could sit here for an hour and say all the nice things yeah. we wanted to about Aaron Moy. I mean, there's there's nothing you can, you can't, even at 8 million pounds, it, it could have been 18 million pounds and it would, would have been good business for town. You know, he's, he's the player that Wagner builds the team around. He makes the team tick and, you know, he showed last season that that he's got class. He's he's good enough to be in the Premier League, and I think for Huddersfield Town, he's going to be he's going to be a really key player next season, um, and hopefully for seasons to come. I think um, I think Town may have been a bit lost if they hadn't have got that signing done, and I think the speed at which they did it and the price at which they did it, because you know previously the the you know the record signing before the Potter came in yeah. was what 1.8 yeah so to sure. jump all the way to 8 even from 3.5 is you know it's not a small amount of money um you know you can probably add up all the transfers the club have ever made in their history and I'm not sure it will add up to 8 million um that's sort of the that's how far the goalposts have moved mm-hmm. um but as you say he's completely central to what they achieved last season and what Wagner wants to do going forwards um I imagine that we've not asked this, but obviously speculation. Um, I imagine Wagner will have said when he was renewing his contract, when he was saying, you know, what do you need to stay at the club? Because it's no secret that there's been interest. And obviously, um, why shouldn't they be given the job he's done? Um, One of the things I imagine he will have said is I need 
Aaron Moy back at this club and yeah. I don't care how much it costs. I've made you 200 million. You yeah. can give me 10 to buy my player back. No, I, 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 yeah, I agree with you there. And I think it's he's kind of, he's that sort of player that I can't actually think of anyone that's similar to him in no. the role that he plays because because he plays that sort of withdrawal midfielder role. Mm. He's kind of, I guess, I guess John Joe Shelby would be the closest one, but I think Aaron Moy probably brings a bit more than Shelby to the team because he's he's far more restrained than Shelby. Shelby's mm. still got some sort of um, some temper problems, and yeah. you know, he, there's more Hollywood passes in his game, things that the Moy doesn't have. He's he's far more patient than uh, yeah. Shelby would be. I mean, it's it's a, a wild comparison, but the type of player he is and the role he does is similar especially with the player he has next to him. It reminds me of when Luka Modric and Scott Parker played in midfield mm-hmm. for Tottenham because they were in the same 4-2-3-1 uh, that Wagner likes to play. And one of them, you know, English Terrier wins the ball yeah. back, pass it five ways sideways to the you know creative player. It's really interesting to see what Wagner's done with him, especially after watching the Confederations Cup because Australia play him as a 10 and he doesn't look doesn't anywhere near as effective, no. no. Um, and it's really interesting to see that, you know, Australia could really do with the Huddersfield version of Aaron yeah, Moy, but absolutely. they're shooting themselves in the foot by playing him in the wrong position. I think what they're what they're saying though is, you know, Aaron Moy's probably their best player. So I think in playing him at number ten, he can create more from there. Yeah. The problem is he doesn't get the ball enough there. So it's kind of it becomes that sort of catch twenty two where do you play him in what I would say is the best position and yeah. like be a bit more defensive and play it to someone who's not got the sort of range of passing or the vision that he has in front of him mm. or play him there and try and play, you know, Mila Yedinak and that kind of player to yeah. just win the ball back and try and shovel it forward to him. The, um, one of the conversations I've had a lot with people over the summer, uh, it might sound trivial, but it's about fantasy football because they'll go, oh, the Huddersfield players are all quite cheap. Yeah. Which are the ones to go for? I've heard a lot about Aaron Moy. I've often said to him, he's not even in my fantasy team. I've said to him, not mine either, he'll do the things that won't get headlines necessarily, mm-hmm. but he's the platform that the rest of the team create on. I mean, the amount of times last season that he gave the pass before the assist yeah. and he did sort of the hard work, winning the ball back and then spreading it into somewhere that had space. He sort of, he doesn't get the credit he deserves because I don't think then they get picked up in the sort of metrics that people yeah, evaluate absolutely. on. And I think one of the, the main places that people look for that sort of thing is fantasy football, yeah. strangely enough. Um, so I am quite interested in to see how he does because I, I, from about two games in, I thought this guy's too good for the championship just because of the nuance in his game, the things he was doing, and to sort of work backwards and see where he'd come from you know the St Mirren spells him having hair which is really strange to look at (laughs) Um, Bolton Academy and sort of I think it was really emotional for him to to have gone on such a a big journey and to have um, you know been recognised the way he was because I uh, he was named number 8 I believe in 442's top 50 football league players I wrote his entry in the magazine um, and he actually thanked me for it. He, you know, one of the few players that would ever come out and thank you for a bit of coverage. I would have personally had him at number one, and I lobbied the editors of four four two to have had him higher. Um, but even to be at number eight and to have that sort of recognition, yeah. he was really happy with. Um, so I think uh, you know, for the way the club works and the way he is as a man, he's quite humble. Yeah, it's a good fit, isn't it? It's a really he's very unassuming. Fit. I think you know, a place like Manchester City may have been. Um, 
sort of the wrong fit in terms of what the club is because they're very loud and proud about having all this yeah. new oil money, whereas Huddersfield are more humble. Um, yeah, you know. I, I would also say if you know, I think it's a really good fit. I think I think him and the club mesh really well, and also if he stayed at the club for years, he, you know, he could become a Huddersfield Town legend quite quite easily. Well, there's quite a lot of um, of older fans who've watched the team for far longer than we have who said that they've rarely seen a, a midfielder who's been as good as he had, mm. which is high praise because, you know, if you go back far enough, Huddersfield have had some fairly decent players um, and it's not as if, you know, we they're a club starved of talent. You know, success might be a different thing, but there's always been talent through the mm-hmm. doors. Um, so I think he's he'll be central to whatever. If Moy has a good season, Huddersfield should yeah, hopefully absolutely. have a good season. Yeah. Um, next in... The price on this one's strange. It depends who you talk to. What we'll advertise it as anywhere between seven to ten million. Um, I imagine it'll be one price in cash and the next in instalment is yep. probably the way it works. But Tom Ince, uh, one of the stars of preseason, really. Um, there was a lot of talk before this one, as I think there often is with the Ince family. Um, his father is very vocal, um, which you know, if your son's as good as Tom is, maybe you you want to shout about it. Um, but he was the same in his playing days, obviously, Paul. Um, but he's been fantastic since he came in. There was a lot of discussion before he came in about how well he would fit, because uh, I think there was some sort of some preconceptions about his yeah. attitude and his work rate. Uh, but if you actually go back and look at the facts and figures, he seems to be a, an ideal purchase. Yeah. Uh, well, we were talking about fantasy football before. He's he's one of the ones that I've got him a fantasy. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. Me, I think he's going to score goals in the Premier League. I think he's. As you said, I think if you look back at the stats, he's got the work rate that maybe he doesn't get credit for. Yeah. I think people see him as being a bit lightweight and a bit, you know, a bit of a... Fancy dad. Yeah, exactly. But I think he's going to be a really good fit for Huddersfield Town. I think on that right-hand side, I think that he has been playing in pre-season, him and Kachunga as well, switching wings quite a lot. Yeah. I think they're going to be a handful, both of them. Um, I think, you know, it's a really good really good pair to have on either wing I think they're probably pretty similar players but I think they're going to be I think it's probably a little bit more creative uh, maybe Kachunga's better in front of goal well in fairness to Kachunga he's a, a striker playing yeah. out of position so you wouldn't expect him to be a natural winger but he's done really well there mm-hmm. obviously when pushed out by Wells yeah yeah absolutely and I think I think those two together are going to be you know a nightmare for some defences especially if Aaron Moy can find them in space on either wing yeah um you know, Ince can go either way. Uh, he can put crosses in. And he's fairly two-footed, isn't he? He yeah. looks um, comfortable when he's coming off either flank. Yeah, I think and I think as a defender, you don't know which way he's going to go. Like, is he going to cut back onto his left or, or going on his right if he's, you know, down the right-hand side? Uh, and he's proven in pre-season that he knows where the goal is and he proved last season as well. So I think, that wasn't I think, necessarily a, a good derby side either. He was a standout player yeah. in a fairly... Average Derby side, that had, you know, changed manager a couple of times. It was, you know, it's a really unsettled season, but yeah. he was still their standout. Under them, you know, you can gauge signings quite well over how disappointed or how sort of celebratory the yeah. opposition fans are to losing a player. And Derby fans at first shot themselves in the foot a bit by saying he'll never go to a team like Huddersfield, perhaps sort of having too high an opinion of themselves, yeah. given you know. One of them's a Premier League club and the other isn't. One of them won a cup (laughs) 30 years ago. Um, But, uh, you know, he made the move and they were very disappointed by it, which, in a perverse sort of way, is a good sign. Yeah. 
Um, but to build on what you've said about Kachunga and him swapping wings, I think it's more than that. I think that the entire front four, not to skip forward too much, but if we assume that more than likely it will be Mooney, Palmer, mm-hmm. Kachunga and Ince, all four of those can swap positions and move yeah. fluidly between themselves. And that makes it so much harder for a defence to pick them up. Because if you have a conversation in the dressing room and go, Tom Ince is your man, and suddenly he pops up at number 10 and you've got Casey Palmer in front of mm-hmm. you, you're thinking... This isn't what I was preparing yeah. for, and Steve Mooney's dropped back, and you know Palmer's pushed ahead of him, or Ince is cutting in, and you know that I think yeah. that level of confusion, speed, and um, fluidity is going to be a real attacking asset for Town, which is something that they've clearly prioritised in this summer window. I'd, I'd I'd also just to pick up on one of your points, saying that like Mooney dropping back and the three of them going in front of him, I think that's going to be something that Town are really going to look at because. You know, last season the amount of goals, which was you know either a, a fullback or a winger getting to the byline, crossing it back, and there's someone in the box for it. Yeah. You know, Mooney drops back, and one of the wingers gets sort of out wide in front of him, and then you've got sort of the the other three of them, if you like, running onto the ball with Aaron Moy sort of holding the edge of the area. I think that could well cause problems in in the Premier League, as it did in the Championship last season. And I'd also say, just going back to Tom Ince, that he has had spells in the Premier League before with was it Crystal Palace and. Blackpool. Uh, Hull. Was it Black Blackpool? I think he was in the championship. With was Blackpool. that a championship? Yeah. Oh, right. But but what I would say is that he didn't light the league on fire when he had that sort of that aura sort of a youngster coming through. Well, you know, yes. You know. But I think now that means he has a point to prove and he's yeah. gonna want to He's a bit more mature now as a player. Yeah. Or twenty five, twenty six, his decision making seems to be uh, have improved as it mm-hmm. probably naturally would. I mean he, the received wisdom is that he's now entering his prime, mid to late 20s is when a footballer should peak. So if there's a time to buy him and a time to sort of give him a platform to, to prove himself on, this would be it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that. And I think, as as we said earlier, for, for was it seven, eight, nine million, I yeah. think that's probably a decent buy at that price. Um, even if he you know chips in with two goals next season and, and a couple of assists... You know they're they're so priceless, and, and yeah. for Huddersfield Town as well, their defence is looking pretty good, and yeah. it looked all it looked good throughout the Championship season. And with Zanker in there now, who we'll talk about later, I think you know you can afford to spend a bit on on attacking players. I think the Town won like a record amount of games by a one point mar- mm. one goal margin, not one point margin, by one goal margin last season, um, which is sort of testament to how well the team defended. Um, Next signing it is probably one of the more defensive-minded players we've brought in, uh, Danny Williams from Reading, who we played yeah. uh, in the playoff final um, for free. Um, probably Reading's best player on the day, one of their best players throughout the season. Um, will likely battle for the same shirt as Jonathan Hogg, we're imagining? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, It's uh, slightly more dynamic than Hogg, but I don't think he is as uh, dynamic defensively as Jonathan Hogg can be, because uh, Jonathan Hogg, as we saw last season, is given this task and given this sort of um, single-minded approach to the game that Wagner has given him by playing my next to him. He sort of said to him, "This is your priority is defence essentially," and Hogg's thrived off that. Yeah. So if Williams can do a similar sort of role and allow Hogg the time to rest. Because he, he started getting muscle injuries towards the end of last year because mm. he wasn't a a player who could naturally take over from him. Billing was the one who got given the job, but he's more likely to deputise for Moy 
because they're more in line with each other, you'd imagine. Um, but I think it's a, a sensible squad purchase to give Hogg some competition and some backup if needed. Um, and he seems to have the bit between his teeth about proving himself in the Premier League again, yeah. which is, you know, a recurring theme. And, you know, a chip on your shoulder is something people in Huddersfield are probably aware of. And I think that's a good thing in sport. It's something that a lot of sportsmen often talk about is having something to prove and being taught yeah. down. Having that drive. Yeah, it's a, it might be a negative thing. Well, it's perceived as a negative thing, but it can be a fairly strong fuel. Yeah, I yeah I agree. I think you know he for me was probably one of the championship players of the season last year. I've got a couple of friends who are Reading season ticket holders, and they they were gutted that he left, as you said before, with with Tom Ince. Yeah, and that shows you just how good he is. I think on a free as well, it's that's a, a really really good bit of business, um, and I I also think. As you say, Jonathan Hogg's going to be the more sort of defensive out of the pair. I would say, you know, when we're getting through through the season, I reckon Williams will start playing in the games such as, you know, your Crystal Palaces, your teams around you where you don't have to go fully defensive. Yeah. You know, whenever Huddersfield play any of the top six, Jonathan Hogg's going to be probably the first name on the team sheet. Hmm. And he might play alongside Williams. You know, you're not sure at that sort of... When you're playing that calibre of club, but I think for the the sort of weaker teams, sort of your Swansea's and, and your Crystal Palaces, Huddersfield's direct op- uh, opposition and sort of yeah. the people that'll be in and around the league, you'd imagine. Exactly, exactly. I imagine he'll play a bit more because he offers a bit more going forward. Not that he's going to score goals or anything, but I think his range of passing is a bit better, and I think his his vision's a bit better, and he does look to get forward a bit more than Jonathan Hogg, who is all over the pitch and all heart, and you know that the typical terrier. Yeah. Um I think I think Williams will probably play against those sort of teams because it, because he offers a little bit more. He's a bit more of a rounded player other than Jonathan in, um compared to Jonathan Hogg. Yeah. I, I think that's fair and I think that variety is important. Mm. It's interesting you you talk about playing them together because town last season they, underneath the first 11 there wasn't a great deal of depth. And that appears to be something that they try, they're, they're trying to address with the signings they're making. Because a lot of the signings are being focused in areas where there is one clear starter and they didn't have any real opposition or any yeah. competition. And that hurt the team when they were missing, especially towards the end of the year when people are getting more Hogs tired. And as well. Hogs injuries, Tommy Smith's injuries, if Christopher Lowe is ever missing, I mean... Terry Combs Dennis did fantastic, but there was a clear hierarchy there. It wasn't direct competition. Um, it was more rotation. And that's, you know, by the fact that Tariq's gone out on loan, we hope he does really well there because I actually think he's a player who has all the yeah. all the ability Definitely. and all the sort of potential to come back to town and do really well. Um, it's clear from the signs made that the club are looking to give themselves a more rounded and balanced squad. And I think Williams is a a signing that sort of proves that because he's not he's not a player that's going to go out and sell a million shirts or mm-hmm. he's probably not going to be anyone's favourite player but he's going to be one that does the jobs that Wagner needs done essentially yeah, absolutely well, it's, um, like, it's like Jonathan Hogg I think last season everyone knew how, how great he was but I don't know how many shirts they would have sold with Hogg on the back number six I think you know people, yeah. people want Kachunga and Wells and, and the attacking players really but 
as you say, they're going to do the dirty work for you and they're, they're the players that I think will make the difference in the Premier League, especially having two of them and being able to rotate. Yeah. So if one of them picks up an injury, at least you've got someone else there and you've got other options after that, but that aren't probably specifically designed to fill that position like you fill Billings. Yeah. Um, Wagner's obviously somebody who wants to rotate and tries to rotate as much as possible, so... His ability to do that more without really losing any quality in his team is probably mm-hmm. going to be um, a real bonus to him, um, which is, you'd imagine, why he's he's pushed for these signings. The next one is the current record signing. I don't imagine this one will get broken as yet, but anything can happen given how this one's gone. Uh, Steve Mooney, uh, Montpellier. Yeah. He's, he looks the part. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, you can't judge off YouTube compilations, but we're not doing that anymore. We've seen him in the flesh. Yeah. Three goals, four games. You know, you can't say fairer than that. In, and in the good, good finishes as well. His his movement has been fantastic. Um, I think his size and his speed. He seems like um, the player that I imagine Wagner hoped Quana might be. I mean, yeah. Colin has done fantastic since he's gone out on the wing. His contributions in the second leg against Sheffield Wednesday oh, yeah. and in the Championship final. Playoff final, you cannot discount or take away from him. Wouldn't ever want to do that because without Colin Connor, I don't think Huddersfield Town are in the Premier League. Yeah, um, I think he is a winger though. I think yeah, his I think, position is on the wing. Yeah, um, I think Mooney will come in centrally, and I think he could be a real surprise of the season. Having seen all the ingredients he has um, from the league, he's come from as well. A lot of players have come from France and done well in the Premier League because. Mm-hmm. There's an assumption that Ligue 1 is is sort of um, a little bit lightweight um, when, in truth, it's quite a physical, fast-paced league. It's mm-hmm. it's one of the leagues where flair players have to work hard at their physical strength before they can really find a platform in. Um, and I think that's going to bode well in the Premier League because it's such a, a specific competition to find the pace of. Um, I think he'll do well in English football. Yeah, I think he will as well. I think he's got... You talk about the Premier League and I think as well, Lauren de Potter, we've spoken about before, is a bit more one-dimensional in that. You know, he's a big guy that you stick up front. You know, when, when you know we're, we're likely going to see him 10, 15 minutes towards the end of yeah, the most games or exactly. in a cup competition against... When you're chasing the game and you need yeah, and you need sort of a goal and you lump it forward sort of thing. Steve Mooney, I think, he looks... He actually probably looks better with his feet than he does with his head from what I've seen with him which, yeah. which and it, and with his head he looks pretty good anyway as well yeah so, he scored that flying header away yeah. at Sandhausen wasn't it yeah so I think I, I think he's going to be I would tip him he's in my fancy league again so that, <laughs> me too I think tip. we're going <laughs> to we're probably going to have the same points at this rate but yeah I, I think he's going to be he's going to be a really good one this season I, I think obviously you, you can't tell if he's going to score as many goals and that kind of stuff but he's 22 isn't he yeah, eleven mil. I think he's he's only going to go up in value as well. So if Town, you know, if the worst happens in Town, do get relegated, I think he'll be he'll leave. But I think Town will get a sizable chunk of money for him. Yeah, if he gets ten to fifteen goals a season, mm-hmm. he can sort of double his worth, especially at that age. Yeah, absolutely. and goals are a hard thing to come by in the Premier League. And if you can find a natural goal scorer, that's half of your your battle done. Which is why he costs them the most amount of money. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to be necessarily as important to the team as Aaron Moyes centrally, but because goals are a premium and because strikers are the players that go for the most amount of money, as we've seen with Lukaku and, and what have you. Uh, Lacazette. Yeah, and Murata going to Chelsea. Um, 
that's why he's come at a premium cost. And had Town sort of not not spent that amount of money and and not gone for a, a big goal scorer and gone all out for that, that may have been a problem because goal scoring was one of the issues yeah, last year. Absolutely, um, I, I think it's a statement of intent that signing as well because. You know the, the amount of sort of tweets you see after that. Oh, Huddersfield spending thirteen mil. Like, what, what's going on? The world's gone mad. But you know that's that's Dean Hoyle and David Varner saying. You know we're not here to make up the numbers. We're here and we're gonna. You know we're gonna try and finish as high as we can in the league. And you know I wouldn't write them off just yet. No, no, no. I think they'll they'll surprise a few yet. Um, next player in five million, uh, Scott Malone from Fulham. Uh, I'm not sure if that five million's for the player or for his chant, which is fantastic if you've seen it. I'm not seeing it. Yeah, so it's a good one. I'm not going to give you a rendition now. I think <laughs> it needs a, a few more people than me. Uh, but it's well worth YouTubing. Uh, I'm sure North Stand Loyal are going to uh, have a have a cowshed loyal. Cow sorry, loyal. catch myself. Um, we'll have fun with that one next year. Um, but yeah, competition below as we were saying. Yeah. Tariq's gone out on loan to Portsmouth. I think he could have probably got a championship running to be quite honest with you but Portsmouth will be there or thereabouts in mm-hmm. League One so it's not a bad team he's going to um, what do you make of him because Fulham caused us all sorts of problems last year they, yeah. to not sugarcoat it they spanked us twice um, yeah. without really getting out of second gear um, well, we're, we're a really bad match yeah. they were the one team that I was like playoffs please avoid Fulham at any cost um, he was you know really good he was sort of on the left with Ryan Sessignon, who's this prodigy, yeah, fourteen-year-old or whatever he is, <laughs> fantastic. Um, but he was, he, you know, he's, he made his presence felt last year. Yeah, I thought in the second game especially he was exceptional. Uh, I think he scored a goal and set up another one, didn't yeah. he? Um, and he just, you know, Fulham play in such an expansive way of football, and he he was sort of given that free roam of the left hand side uh, to get forward at any opportunity, and he's proved that he, you know, he's dangerous going forward, and I think. In the Championship, you can get away with having a fullback who is a defensive fullback. In the Premier League, you need three-dimensional players. You need you need them to be able to go forward and come back. Um, and I think Chris Lowe and Tommy Smith are already that sort of player. Um, I think Tariq Holmes-Dennis is just a bit young and needs to learn the trade a bit more. So going out on loan to Portsmouth is probably a good thing for him. And I think Scott Malone, you know, again, it's another signing that you can't really question because he does, him and Chris Lerver, I mean, Seeing Chris Lover last season, I was surprised that he didn't get more of a sort of a touting for the team of the season. To be yeah. honest, um, well, he's just very quiet and unassuming and gets on yeah. with his job. But he's a, there's a real leadership quality about him because where I sit in uh, in the Kilner Bank, you get a good view of the fullbacks. Um, and he's constantly talking. He's quite aggressive in his tackles. Mm-hmm. He's one of the ones that I saw getting chirpy with other teams' players quite a bit. There's a, an incident with Wigan when they won. Um, they shouldn't have won, but they did. Um, where he was having a real running battle with Max Power. I think Max Power might have given him a kick and knocked him on his ass. So Law found him, gave him one back. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the game, they were still going at each other properly in each other's faces. Yeah. I quite like that about him. Scott Malone's got a got a job on his hands taking that shirt off him but having that sort of competition is really healthy because it, you find out how you know taking a comfort away from a player can push them on or it can sort of make them crumble a bit we've yeah. seen it with with countless other clubs and countless other positions that you need two players to a position and then that internal competition helps the competitive nature of the side overall 
Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd also say on that, on the, the sort of captain captaincy issue, he was he was a captain of Kaiserslautern when he came. Yeah, Chris Lover. I think what Wagner and Hoyle have done really sensibly is they've brought in some youngsters, but they've also brought in former captains of their sides yeah. and also sort of older senior players like Danny, well- Danny Williams, who may not have been a captain, but was definitely a leader on the pitch. Yes. And I think to kind of get that balance between leaders and the youngsters coming through is, is only going to be healthy for the football club. Next up, um, Matthias Zanka jorgensen I'm not... I'm not ready to call him Zanka yet. I feel like we need a bit of more, some progression in our relationship together. Mm-hmm. I, w- I want to see him on this. Yeah, if we, can. if we if we even want to come in Zanka, then feel free to. Um, I'm going to call him Jorgensen for now. I think you're already at the Zanka stage. I'm calling him Zanka, yeah, um, definitely. That's our own little battle, but uh, I think he just needs to win my heart a bit more before I start calling him his nickname. Mm. I just feel it's a bit over familiar for now. Um, but great signing from Copenhagen. He's he's one of the ones that a lot of people have had the most to say about coming. Um, and he's been slotted right in. I mean, one of the most recent signings, but if anyone looks like they've been there already, him next to Chris Schindler looked like a marriage made in heaven. Yeah, he, weirdly, this is, as you know, going through school and stuff, I was always a striker. I was always concerned with scoring goals. Weirdly, this is the signing that I'm most sort of interested in. Yeah, I think he's going to be, he, he, from all again, you can only tell certain amounts from YouTube videos yeah. and that kind of stuff. But from what sort of Copenhagen fans have said and and the the send off that the club gave him, yeah, as well, he just looks like he's going to be sort of oozing quality next to Christopher Schindler, who already does that as well. It's going to be you know, two absolute Rolls Royce defenders. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be. I'm really excited to see them both in action, especially with you. You know, now we've got decent fullbacks on either side in Smith, Lerva, and Malone. Yeah. You know, it's. I'm very excited to see see the defense and how how Town are going to sort of keep people out like they did last season. That seems to be a real focus of how Wagner is building this squad is from the bottom up. Mm-hmm. and giving them solid foundations to then allow the attacking players to express themselves. I mean, there's uh, something that gets under my skin a bit and I think is a bit of a cheap and easy line is how often he's compared to Jürgen Klopp just because they're both German and they're close friends. Yeah. For me, looking at them tactically and stylistically, although they use a similar form- formation, the way in which they go about building those teams are completely different. Kloppy, he's built Liverpool from the outside in. He, you know, the amount of money he spends on wingers and speed yeah, before he the suspect defence. Yes, the before he, he even thinks about building a defence, um, is you know ridiculous. I mean, genuinely, Jorgensen could probably go to Liverpool and do a job. That's how terrible their yeah. defence is at present. Do you think that's because? Do you think that's because of the money that Liverpool have and the pressure that they have from the fans to sign these sort of marquee players? I'm not sure because they, they even went... They're after Van Dijk, aren't they, for mm-hmm. a ridiculous yeah, amount of money. A mil or something like that. But you, there are a defenders out there who can improve that squad for a fraction of that price, but it just doesn't seem to be as big a priority for Klopp as it has been for Wagner. Because even last season, the most amount of money the club spent was on Schindler. And you know that came back in in spades, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it clearly showed on the pitch as well because he was, you know, a lot of people spoke about um, the defender at, at um, Sheffield Wednesday. I forget his name now. Hutchinson, Sam Hutchinson, yeah. missed the penalty. Uh, people talk about Dunk 
mm-hmm. Brighton. And for me, Schindler's better than the pair of them. Obviously, yep. there's Pontus Janssen at Leeds United as well, but anyone can head a football. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's, you know, for me, Schindler, with the ball at his feet and with the way he read the game, was fantastic. Um, a lot of times, you know, the sort of good cop, bad cop relationship he had with Heffler was yep. a real success to the end of last season. And with Heffler being injured and with him sort of, he'll be behind on fitness and no match practice. You'd imagine Jorgensen's going to come straight into the squad. Yeah. That'd have been a far bigger battle had they both been fit. I'd have been interested to see whether Heffler won, you know, yeah. won the right to start. But I think he's probably going to have to try and fight for his shirt back, given that Zanker will be the more yeah. fit one out of the two. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so th- I think perversely that might, you know, be a good thing for Wagner. That's one of the decisions made for him. Yeah, absolutely. And if and if Zanga plays well, then as much as we all love Michael Heffler, you know, if you, if you're winning or drawing games in the Premier League and not losing with and you know not conceding that many yeah. with those two about you don't change it. And it's good to have him as cover as well. Yeah. I mean, if if for some reason Jorgensen isn't the player he is, we know that Heffler will come in and give his, his all. Literally, mm-hmm. he'll he will battle for that shirt and he'll be pushing him. We know from he didn't start last season as, as first choice centre back, yeah. but he ended it that way purely through determination and work rate. And imagine having him as number two again in that sort of position, and with Stankovic behind, um, yeah, behind Schindler coming back in December, and um, Mark Hudson still available for selection and can come in. He's played in the Premier League before. Yeah. Um, the first leg against Manchester City, Mark Hudson was fantastic in. Yeah. Um, so. You know, as cover, that central defensive area seemed as solid as possible. And in the league where Huddersfield will be doing a lot of defending next yep. year, it makes sense. Um, another defensive minded player, probably the most defensive minded player, given that he's a goalkeeper, uh, Jens Lossel from Germany. He's come from Mainz, um, and there's been conflicting reports in Germany about how his season went, which I think has sent a few alarm bells ringing, but he's looked okay in the games he's played already. I think his reputation before going to Mainz was fantastic, which is why they brought him in. Mm-hmm. I think they've they signed Rene Adler as his replacement, who's a great keeper, I think so. I might be wrong, but off the top of my head, that's what I think I read. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a loan signing with an option to buy, it didn't work out too bad with Williams coming in. Um, obviously he did so well that Liverpool that, that shaky Liverpool defence that we seem determined to knock we're probably not going to score against them for two games <laughs> yeah, now that yeah, we've said this we've no. jinxed it apologise <laughs> um, you know he, he did work so well for us that he he's in the battle for the number one shirt there yeah. um, Lossell had big shoes to fill um, yeah I think the one thing that stands out to me compared to Ward with, with Lossell is, is the distribution to be honest I don't think I've seen that much of his actual goalkeeping in, in the games that they've played. Um, so he made a couple far. of sharp saves against Barnsley. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of close quarters. He's, I mean, he's six foot five. He's my height, so he's good at making himself big. Um, there's a couple of slight slaps at the ball from crosses, which I'm, I wasn't too impressed by. But that's one of the things that's in the European in, goalkeepers. Well, <laughs> one of the things in England is you have to get used to yeah. catching it. I mean, David de Gea when he first came over wasn't too yeah. off here with crossing the ball well dealing with crosses um, but he you know he soon dealt with it and learned and I think Lossel at his size will too yeah um, it's just I think 
confidence may be an issue for him. I think confidence is an issue for all footballers, but there are some who sort of given that confidence play a tag, aren't there? And I think yeah. he may be one of them. Um, the uh, one thing I w- that I would say about him, it, it, about his distribution that I was saying before, was you know, a few sharp stops at Barnsley. The thing that stood out was the ball that he played over the top for Steve Mooney. Yeah. And he also did that against Bury as well in the pre-season game. Yeah. He like looking for the same ball. Mm. And I think, obviously, Ward had a great season with Town last year and, and what he did for the club in the penalty shootouts and stuff can't be sort of taken away from him. But I think his distribution, the times that I saw him trying to chip it out to Chris Lover on the left-hand side and it going over his head or something like that, from what I've seen of Lossell, which isn't, that much yeah we've not got a huge sample sizes yet yeah, but but what I've seen from him is his ground game looks looks decent yeah that's what I, yeah and then and then on top of that your goalkeeping is it is what it is isn't it you know but hopefully uh, he gets a bit you know more confident under the under I think the if he gets off to a good start he'll be fine as long as sort of as long as he doesn't there's no rickets or there's nothing that happens you know unfortunate happens in the first few yeah. games I think he'll settle in and he'll be okay. It's just those first few games where there's the potential for something to spook him. Um, but I think that's the same with old goalkeepers. They're sort of a bedding in period yeah. and once they're bedded in and once they're sure of themselves. Bringing Liverpool back into it as well, I'd say the same with Loris Carius. Yeah. That season came in and you know he had a couple of good games and then made a, a few errors. And when you make one error and your confidence is so low, you're so prone to make another error and another error and another yeah. error. So you, know, you hope he can get five games under his belt without sort of making a mistake mm. and then if one does come I think he's got a good manager in David Wagner to, to stick with him and say yeah. you know it, it's fine just get back onto it and do what you do best at the same time Joe Coleman is a good number two yeah, he proved absolutely. that last year um, you know there wasn't really anything that stood out as being deficient in his game particularly I think the only reason he's not going to be the number one this year is age and experience yep um, which is unfortunate, but it's one of the things that sort of you probably want from a keeper in the first year in the Premier League. Yeah. One player that I was actually hoping that Town might go after was Michel Vaughan from Tottenham. Not that I want him to go for any reason, because you know having two fantastic goalkeepers at your club is good. But he's good enough to be somebody's number one. Yeah, absolutely. He's at an age um, where you could get him for a decent price. And if you were to say to Daniel Levy, we'll take him on loan for a year, he doesn't play against you, and then next season we'll pay you eight to ten million for him, which is probably what he's worth as one of the better goalkeepers in the league. Definitely probably the best number two in the division. Um I think that would have been a route I would have gone down. Um but if Lossell is, is good, then there's no reason to sort of yeah. go wishing for it for anyone else to, to have been in the position. Yeah. I'd also say um They've got Ryan Schofield as well coming through. Yeah, he um, looks fantastic. Number three, and you know, I had a great uh, England under twenty ones. He had a great tournament with, um, and you know, I, I can't, I can't see him not being in the first team in the next few years as well. Yeah, he's eight, he's seventeen, eighteen at the minute. You know, by the time he's he's twenty two, twenty three, he'll be pushing up there if he's still at town. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, he's a sort of. The next in line after Smithies, isn't it? To mm-hmm. sort of be one of those homegrown players. I think Alex Smithies last season was widely touted as the best goalkeeper in the championship. So if Schofield can sort of be of that level, yeah. then Town will probably be laughing with a bit of homegrown talent. Um, and the academy boys are always afforded more of a, a rope than anyone else's. Um, last but not least, uh, Casey Palmer's back. Um, I think 
the way that Wagner has discussed it is unfinished business, yeah. uh, which sounds about right. He was sort of crudely had his season ended or not ended um, by that hamstring injury. He made an appearance at Wembley, um, made a bit of a difference and in, injected a bit of pace and a bit of imagination as he always did. Um, but he seems to have had a, a really good relationship with Wagner. I mean, the, the way he speaks about him is really high. He, he I think the, the quote that stood out to me is that he, he turned him from a boy into a man, which I think I, you could see in the way he played. He seemed to be a... He, he reminded me a little bit of Adult Tarapt when he first came in, that his first um, intention whenever he had the ball at his feet was to put it through someone's leg and smash it from 30 yards. But he seemed to calm down and have a bit more focus in his game yeah. and do the, the the smaller, menial tasks better than when he first came. And that made him a better rounded and, and sort of uh, a better asset for us as, as a whole without really taking away any of that imagination or trickery because he'll still make you if he needs to. Yeah. Um, but he, that's not his express intention anymore. No, I, I agree with what you're saying. Um, I, I think he, he really is getting towards the finished article um, in his time at town. You know, it, the, the amount he changed. Not changed, but honed his, honed his game, honed yeah. his skills. Um, grew. You know, yeah, grew as a, as a, as a player. And, and what seems like as a person as well under David Wagner, like you were saying. Yeah. You know, and I think... He became for, a father as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I think if if one player has bought into the Terrier identity more than anyone, it's, it's Casey Palmer. Yeah. You know, I think even just judging by like social media posts and that kind of stuff he really gets what the club's trying to do yes he he gets on with all the fans you know he, he likes the fact that it's a family club and he likes the fact it's kind of the Yorkshire mentality of it's sort of us against the world in a way and, and I think he's really bought into that and I think because he's bought into that the fans have bought into him and I think it's it's a bit of a match made in heaven especially now that Town are in the Premier League it must be such a different thing to experience for a player of that age an experience to have been at a club like Chelsea where you're one of 60 loan players and part of this youth development scheme uh, that's overseen where they win the Youth Cup every other year and nobody ever gets a sniff. Everyone always gets sent on loan. Yeah. You're either spending a, lo- a year at Vitesse or, you know, it's such a strange way that club sort of stockpiles talent. You know, town benefit off that more than anyone with Brown and Palmer last season. But to come to a club where it's so tightly knit and to to be able to feel what the 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 warmth and the goodwill from yeah. the club as well as the supporters must be such a more personable experience than what it is at Chelsea, just being part of that yeah. machine. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think you know at Chelsea you, you're almost a name on a page for for most of the time you're there. Like I don't I don't know how get yeah, the loan section of the Wikipedia page, yeah. man. <laughs> But I don't know like how much interaction you'd have with certain members of the club. I don't, you know, Antonio Conte is he in, in touch with all these players that they sent out on loan? Whereas, you know, at Town, it, it seems because it's kind of that family sort of community club. It seems that everyone, not just the fans and and that, but all of the backroom staff take time on each individual player. You know, the relationships the players even have with themselves. Um, it's just it's. It's just miles, miles apart from Chelsea, um, and I think you know if obviously Town are in the Premier League now, but that's something that Dean Hoyle I know will will want to keep at the club. That's you know that's the club that 
that's the trademark of the club. That's what people have fallen in love with about Huddersfield Town. It's this sort of warm community sort of aspect of it. And I think Casey train Palmer, that Yeah, exactly. And I think Casey Palmer really, really fits into it and has really bought into it as well. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I actually if, compare him to Izzy Brown as well because it's interesting that it's Palmer that's come back rather than Brown. Um, I would say that natural skill set wise, Brown is probably the better player. But I think he, not in terms of attitude, but in terms of how he plays the game, he comes across as a, as a tad bit more juvenile than Palmer does on the field. Palmer seems a bit more assured of himself. There's a bit more confidence about him, um, especially the way he carries himself on the field. Brown is sort of, he still looks like a kid in a way that Palmer doesn't. Um, and especially sort of, we saw him miss the, the same chance twice, essentially, away at Hillsborough and at Wembley. And I think if you put Palmer in that position, he'll tap both of those in quite happily because I think he's he's just a bit more assured of himself. Although I would say that, you know, the second that that same growth happens for Brown, had Brown been at the club for the whole season, perhaps he, we'd yeah. be saying the same thing about him. He was, you know, we don't know how much Rotherham we managed to shake off him in that time, not to be too unfair to them. Um but you know it's a it's a different experience for different players. He yeah. he just seemed as if it's going to take him a little bit more time to be comfortable in his own in his own ability and get the yeah. most out of that. Whereas Palmer looks like he is ready to make that step now yeah. in a way that Brown wasn't. It'll be interesting to see where Brown goes next season. If yeah. to, it, you know because the money touted, I think uh, the Telegraph was saying that you know Town were looking at an eight million pound deal for him. Yeah, which I d- probably don't think Chelsea would take. Because I think if he did another two seasons on loan, they could probably get twenty mil for him. But <laughs> yeah. you know, it'd be it'd be interesting to see where he goes on loan. If I assume he will go on loan, where he'll go, whether he'll go abroad, whether he'll go back to the Championship, or whether a Premier League club will. He's been linked with Southampton and Brighton, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And I think he would be he would be a great addition to both of those sides. But I don't know whether Chelsea would say, "Oh, you know, have another season in Europe, have a season in in the Championship," or whether he will go to a Premier League club. It'll be. I think that'll show. I think there'll probably be championship clubs is. lining up for him. Yeah. I imagine the the interest is all from the championship. We'll yeah. see where he ends up. But he, you know, again, he, his uh, contribution towards the end of last season, especially with Palmer missing, was invaluable. Yeah. Um, he brought something completely different. I imagine his his position within the squad will be occupied by Tom Ince this year. Um, and I think Tom Ince is a better player than Izzy Brown was then, just because he's older and, and sort of... More experienced. Yeah, more yeah. experienced. Um, and that's all of the signings. I think the the team pretty much picks itself. If we were to go through, um, he's not going to move out of a 4-2-3-1, is he? No, Lossel in goal, Smith at right back, Jorgensen, Schindler, Lowe, Hogg and Moy in the middle, because you don't really want to break those yeah. two up. The three, the band of three behind the striker, Kachunga, Palmer, Int, in any order, essentially. Yeah. And then Mooney up top. And then you've got two or three players behind every position, essentially. So there is, you can probably name two fairly decent 11s there. And he will do in the cup again. Yeah, which he will do in the cup. Um, and, you know, if there's any dead rubbers towards the end of the season, he probably will again. <laughs> um, I'm not sure the FA are going to find him or not, uh, which is still... Um, you know, ridiculous. But um Well with Chelsea is it Chelsea, Everton, Arsenal and someone else final games of the season, I think Yeah, the last four games of the season, yeah. Um 
probably go for them to be honest. If um, you'd want you'd want sort of their fate to be sealed before those four games because yeah. it's uh, it's but, a bit of a gauntlet know, to run otherwise. Beat the teams around you. That's all you can do, and then hopefully take take a few points off the top teams, and then you know you see where you are after that. Perfect. Um, that's the first half of the show done. We're going to have a small chat now with our first ever guest on the podcast, which is going to be Greg Johnson, who is a, a writer and an editor for the statistical website Squawker.com. Welcome, Greg Johnson, features editor for Squawker.com. How are you, Greg? I'm not bad at all. Thanks for having me on. No worries whatsoever. Um, we wanted to get you on uh, to get sort of the national outside of you of Huddersfield Town. Um, people mm-hmm. didn't really pay much attention to the club in the Championship. Um, but now they're a Premier League club, worldwide club. Um, <laughs> the interest in everything has, has gone up, uh, as you'd expect, being in probably the biggest sports league in the world. I think I'm, I'm right in saying that's not a, a high hyperbole for any reason. I mean, that's um, definitely what the Premier League's branding says, so we'll just go with that. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to go against what Richard Scudamore says because uh, we'll have our not. accreditation pulled. Um, but sort of what is the outside perception of Huddersfield Town I don't think anybody was expecting them expecting them to be promoted I don't think anyone was expecting them to be promoted inside the town let alone uh, elsewhere um, have you had sort of any editorial meetings where you've gone uh, what's this Huddersfield Town team and what the hell are they doing in the Premier League Uh, well I mean not to try and say oh we told you something like that but um because they've been doing something quite interesting under Wagner all last season, we actually picked up on them quite early. Um, one of our writers, George Ellick, did, a, did a quite a few pieces actually just bigging up um, the tactics, the players that are kind of doing it all for, for Huddersfield. Um, and so we kind of followed that through, um, through especially the second half of the season as, as like, the momentum built up and they really started to, to make some moves in, in the championship. Um, and actually, towards the end of last season, uh, we did like a kind of shout out to, to fans across the Premier League, all 20 clubs, asking them if one club from amongst the playoff contenders were to come to Premier League, who would you want it to be and why? And the vast majority, Huddersfield won it with a landslide. They absolutely killed it on that one. Um, there's a lot of excitement about Huddersfield, about the style of football Wagner's played. Even people that hadn't seen the team, they'd heard, heard murmurs of this like mini Klopp and this mini Liverpool that were bursting up through the championship. A bit like how, you know, you know when Swansea came up to the Premier League and people said, oh, it's Swansea loner. They're like yeah. Wales's very own version of a... So I think there was a similar kind of buzz around Huddersfield, even for people that hadn't seen much of them, basically kind of because of the word of mouth reputation going around, especially amongst like we're a stats website and obviously we've got all the numbers backing up what David Wagner has been trying to do. So we kind of, we had a little bit of a little bit of an advantage in that, I think, from people that haven't been watching them in in other ways. So um, yeah, I think a really interesting side with um, interesting players and they've got more interesting players than I'm sure we're going to talk about a little bit later on coming through the transfer market. Um, But yeah, I I just think the whole especially people that don't know the history of Huddersfield obviously being the first side in England to win three back-to-back league titles all the way back when, before Arsenal, before Liverpool, before United. I think there's there's an idea that they are a breath of fresh air in the Premier League, especially in the Premier League era. They haven't been up in the top flight since the relaunch, obviously. So Not I think it's just an exciting time. town to be up there since Ipswich. So oh, wow. Wow. There you go. That's a stat. We should have had that one. Um, but no, it is, I, I think it's, um, like I say, a breath of fresh air, a bit similar to Swansea, maybe a bit similar to Blackpool as well. It's this idea that they're an attacking, exciting side. It's a nicer place than Blackpool. <laughs> what, what I always remember from Huddersfield is you've got really good broadband up there, from what I remember. Have you got loads of like startups and stuff, or is that just me, um, no, me think, imagining things? I think most things? people just assume that everyone in Yorkshire is on Plusnet for some reason. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it's, just it's, a, it's that, a good advert. I'll give them that. That bloke on the advert, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, it's interesting. One of the things you, you said is I think one of the things that people up here have the biggest chip on their shoulder about and take the most umbrage with. It's not your fault mm. whatsoever. It's it's sort of part of the wider perception of town. This mini Klopp, mini Liverpool thing is a tag they've mm-hmm. been saddled with. Um, I think perhaps unfairly. It's something that that we've discussed as well as a writing staff here. Um, just because they're, they're friends and sort of they've been best men at each other's wedding and godparents to children and things, mm. there's obviously a natural link there and Klopp is obviously the the more wider known. So it's a, a natural jump to make. And I think when Wagner first came in, I think you can't really blame anyone for making that link. But the way they operate within their four two three ones is really different. And I think mm. there is going to be, it's interesting to see when they face each other next year, how those styles will clash. Because although it's sort of, the same ideology they come from, the way in which they they practice it is different. I mean, if I was to give an analogy, it's almost as if, you know how religions have different branches? Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, it's almost as if they believe there's a God, they believe in Jesus, but one of them's a Methodist and one of them's a Catholic. Yeah, so it's not necessarily yeah. the same, but there's, you know, there's differences. You've got the um, Orthodox branch and you've got the, um, yeah, absolutely. Seventh-day event this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's that sort of a difference, um, which I think, will take people by storm. I actually think it will work in town's favour early on in the season because I think that Mm. people will have several misconceptions about them and I think they'll catch a few out early doors because Mm. of that. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think, as again, we're going to get onto it shortly, but look at their transfer business. Um, I mean, I think there are similarities in a sense in that you look at the, there there wasn't like a standout, um, I mean, okay, Kajunga got some goals, but they, uh, a bit like Liverpool, they attack as a collective rather than necessary individuals. But you look at yeah. the transfer signings this summer, they've gone for some big lads that really are going to kind of throw their, their weight around, be dominant in the air and be quite physical. And I think that's quite different to what Liverpool are doing under Klopp. Uh, I think another thing that makes people make that connection is the Dortmund link as well. Um, but also, I mean, as I'm sure we're all aware, working in the media, if you're doing a headline, it's nice to reduce it down to some easy sell. And I think <laughs> the kind of Klopp and Dortmund thing, for people that aren't initiated in what Huddersfield feel about, it's an easy one for, for horrible people like us to grab onto and say, oh, look at this. If you like these and you like these. So it's yeah. um, a bit guilty on that front. Um, but no, I think um, I don't think it necessarily needs to be a comparison that belittles Huddersfield at all. I don't think it needs to be one that cheapens what they do. I think obviously, like, as you say, Wagner's got his own way of doing things. Hmm. Um, but I think just yeah, it's it's... I guess it's it's bigger than Klopp and Liverpool. I mean, this is the kind of the the big trend in football now, isn't it? Is this counter pressing, um, aggressive pressing up the field and and just kind of yeah. really organised attacking football. Um, and I think when I when I when I made the comparison with Swansea and Barcelona, I think that's probably a better one than talking about them as a mini Liverpool. They they they're, they're a smaller club with less resources that are trying to play football that an elite club would aspire to, and they're trying to do yes. it on their own yeah, terms I think with that's their own resourcefulness. Fair fair way of selling it, yeah. Mm, mm. I, I, I'm really impressed by them and I can't wait to see them in the Premier League I really can't yeah. if we discuss uh, Wagner more specifically mm. um, there, there's sort of a cult of the manager in the Premier League they're celebrities in their own rights they've got yeah. sort of the higher up the league you go the more high profile they become the sort of the more hinges on them it's sort of um, you live by the sword and die by the sword being a manager in the Premier League because everything's either you're a genius one minute or you're a fool the next Um mm. Not to steal a an Andy Tate phrase, um, <laughs> but um, you know, with you know such huge names as Mourinho and Guardiola and uh, Pochettino and the rest of them, Wenger obviously, 
uh, and Klopp. Um, mm. How do you see Wagner setting in there? Because he's been linked with some massive jobs. He's been linked with the Premier League previously. He's been, you know, attempted poachings from Germany and uh, and other championship clubs last season, but he managed to stick it out. Um, not managed to stick it out. He wanted to stay with the club, yeah, essentially. Yeah, if he wanted yeah. to go, there's nothing to And in fact, if, if he had taken the Wolfsburg job, look what happened to them. So he definitely picked the right horse on that one. Yeah, well, Wolfsburg aren't a small club, though. This is the thing. They're, mm. they're a sort of an Everton-Tottenham-sized club, aren't they, in, in Germany? They kind of are, but they're a bit... Um, because, because they're kind of backed by Volkswagen and they've got like this a bit of a rotating door to some extent, especially nowadays... Um, yeah. like, you look what happened with Draxler. Um, I just, I think, I think he was well shot of not going there really because they're in a bit of a state at the moment. Yeah. Um, just, just very inconsistent, and they've got a lot of players. But you know, it's a little bit like what's happened with Watford in the Premier League to some extent. As in, there's this like kind of air of the mercenary about them, and some yeah. people don't think they've got the bottle and the kind of substance, which I, I think is unfair on, on on Watford especially. But anyway, that's that's another topic for another time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's interesting, sort of his ideology. Uh, the way he approaches the game, the fact that he he's happy to promote young players and try and make them better. And um, although Huddersfield, for Huddersfield, have spent a lot of money, comparatively speaking, the transfer fees they've spent aren't a lot. It's just the fact that there's a lot of people they've brought in has sort of bumped their number up towards 30 million net. Mm. Um, you've got to sort of bear in mind that this was a club last season in championship with the fourth lowest budget. And now mm. they've got more catching up to do than either Newcastle or Brighton getting up there. And even with other sort of lower end Premier League clubs, they've, they've got a year or two of Premier League money under them now. Mm. Whereas Huddersfield mm. are only just getting there. They'll have had, you know, 11 million pounds, I believe was the turnover um, last season. And now it's become 170. Mm. So it's, you know, it's not just a different league, it's a different world entirely. This is a club owned by the man who begun Card Factory and he's going toe-to-toe with sheiks and oligarchs. Yeah. So it's, you know... Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, as, as I'm sure you you all know, because obviously you do, um, they finished 19th out of 24 the season before, didn't they? So yeah. they, they, they've made a step up competitively as well in a way that I think a lot of people that are quite new to Huddersfield Town don't realise. So this is... This is this is almost like a double promotion to some extent. They they've gone from being strugglers to going straight up through the playoffs, and now they're in the Premier League. So, yeah, good on them. I think it's a fantastic rise under Wagner. It really sums up um, kind of his impact as a coach. I think. Yeah. Do you think the way he's played football previously is that going to suit Huddersfield well in the Premier League? Do you think? Because there's one thing that he he rarely ever does is is compromise on his style. Mm. Um, and it's cost them a few times. They caught a few beatings from uh, Fulham, who were just a bad match on paper for them. Um, but he's not the type of manager who will go, oh, we've got Man United away this week. I'm going to go five at the back, four in midfield, stick the potter on top on his own mm. and essentially defend for 90 minutes and go for a draw. He will try and win every single match he can and mm. he will try and do it playing football in, in his way playing it the Huddersfield Town way and, and doing it in that sort of a manner. Is that, and that's admirable, obviously. It's, it's a, But at the same time, do you think that's going to be the best approach next year or do you think there should be some more variety? What's the, what, what would be your assumption having seen other clubs come into the league and either do well or struggle? Um, I, I think they've got to be true to themselves. And, and I, I, I mean, personally, I, I, would, I would hope that Wagner gives the most bold, radical account of his football he can because 
I think compromising is all well and good when you're a manager. Like, I mean, it didn't work for him, but when you're a manager like Aito Karanka, whose like natural mindset is to be reactive and set up to kind of have a go at the opponent's strengths before kind of putting forward his own team's um, qualities. I, I, I think Wagner is more like, um, I'm sorry to bring him up again, but more like a Klopp, more like a Guardiola, more like a Pochettino who tries to be proactive. Yeah. Um, and I think you, you look at, I mean, it didn't, again, it didn't work for Blackpool, but I like the fact that Blackpool st- stuck to their guns, tried to give the best account of themselves they can. Swansea did it and look what happened to them. They're now, I mean, they had a bit of a wobble last year, but they didn't just stick in the Premier League because, because you know, they, they by hook or by crook, they had an identity. And I think as well, that can really help bring the, the neutrals on side. If you're telling a compelling story as a club, bring something a bit different, um, people will get on board of it. They'll love it. And, and there's there's some examples in other leagues as well. You look at um, Rayo Vallecano in Spain under uh, Paco Jemez. Uh, yeah. they, they they basically set out to um, play, a bit, again, like I said earlier, play like elite-level football with, with a non-elite team. Um, they went out to attack week in, week out. And, I mean, it was a gamble, but they won enough games doing that and they took enough teams by surprise. They, until very recently, got the points to stay up in La Liga. Yeah. Um, they were one I, I of think... the best sides to watch in Europe as well. Whenever oh, they're on Sky fantastic. Sports, you'd always want to watch Rio. I mean, yeah. because either they would score four or five or they'd concede eight or nine, you just wouldn't <laughs> know what would happen every week. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, yeah, like you say, that is a gamble, but um, without being disrespectful to Huddersfield, I mean, what else are they going to do? You've got to go for it, because if you don't, um, I think hedging your bets and trying to be all things to everyone... If you don't accentuate your strengths where you have got your strengths and you're a side with less of a budget, then I think you'll just get wiped away, really. Yeah. Um, and they, if, they've got their if qualities. If the worst was to happen as well, you'd mm. much rather that Huddersfield went and were Huddersfield for a year and caught beatings and, and you know, had a relegation but didn't do things by half rather mm. than, you know, not to bully Middlesbrough too much, but perhaps half arsing it trying to change too much and going down regardless. Yeah. You'd rather enjoy your year and try and do it your own way and see how, you know, what will be will be from it mm. rather than mm. sort of, you know, change and, and be left wondering what if. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and Middlesbrough were, were absolutely dismal. Um, <laughs> I thought I thought Karanka had, had, had maybe nailed it in the idea of like, well, the first half of the season, this will be like our base camp. We'll establish ourselves. We'll be able to beat. And then we'll try and kick on our next like, uh, second half of the season. And they're just like a, a side and a manager with absolutely no idea of how to kick on. And I, that's one thing I don't think you'd be able to say of, of Huddersfield. They're such a, a forward-looking side when they're on the pitch. I don't think it's possible for them to be uh, kind of backwards-looking, if you know what I mean. They, they've got this momentum to what they do. And I'm really hoping they carry that forward into the Premier League. And they are bold, bold and they're brave and kind of a bit courageous with it because I think it, it would it would serve them really well yeah um obviously we brought you on from Squawker you sat on a mountain of data uh, <laughs> you've got every possible metric at your fingertips um with that said which players that Huddersfield have brought in are, are you most looking forward to seeing in the Premier League uh most looking forward to seeing in England for the first time mm. who you know from the outsider's perspective, who sort of the standouts? Well, I mean, just just to be boring and get the obvious ones out of the way, um, I think Aaron Moy, seeing him back back at Huddersfield uh, in the Premier League, he was fantastic last season. Did absolutely everything in midfield, and um, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of Australia and how they play as well. So it'd be great to see him 
um, kind of doing what he does best um, for Huddersfield in the Premier League. Um, Is next that just to, um, because he's another bald man? And you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think I think he's um, by default. I do it by choice with, with the old razor and clippers. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I just I love what he's about. I think he's a very modern midfielder, and um, it's. Uh, Again, it's it's another victory for coaching, which I, well, I always look for in football. So I'm, yeah. I'm not too much of a hot shot on the the transfers. I'm, they, they, I mean, I'm sure everyone agrees these days transfer windows can get a bit boring, a bit annoying. But what I really like to see is a, a, a player and a team and a manager all coming together and working and developing each other. And you look at how always we moved back from being more of an attacking player to this kind of you know he's he's like an all rounder, isn't he? And he, he kind of does everything. He can drive the team forward. Yeah. Um, and I just I think that's fantastic. It's good good bit of coaching. Great, um, great notice of a, of a top talent and um, Hog as well. Him and Hog in, in midfield, I'm, I'm expecting a lot from them. And then you've got the returning guys like, uh, obviously, you've got uh, uh, Kachunga, you've got um, Casey Palmer as well. Um, and I, they were just one of the reasons why why Huddersfield was so good to watch last season. So I'm I'm hoping they they pick up where they left off. Um, Tom Ince as well. I think he he had more shots on target than any other player in the championship last season. Um, and he's had two spells in the Premier League so far. Hasn't quite delivered how some people expected he should so I'm hoping this is third time lucky for him because I mean I think you look at how Huddersfield play again I know we don't like the Liverpool comparisons but they, they <laughs> don't really it's all about the collective and having more goal threats coming from like from that wide from midfield it can only be good for the yeah. team to kind of you know do the damage they need to do um, but speaking of up front I think um, the man who's going to really kind of strong arm Huddersfield into the box in the Premier League is going to be a Steve Mounier, who obviously town beat West Ham to his signature, at least that's what reports suggest. And are you looking Europe's top five leagues last season? Uh, and only Christian Benteke won more headed duels, headers, you know, things basically battling for the ball in the air. Um, so he's going to be a, a huge outlet um, for Huddersfield and a bit of a plan B to some extent, I'd say, to really kind of, you know, Put, put himself amongst Premier League defences, ask questions of players, see how tough, see how hard they are, um, and hopefully just just kind of get those margins that Huddersfield will need to to catch catch teams on the break and catch teams uh, with their pants down to some extent. Yeah, it's it's interesting you say that because having seen him in pre-season, his strongest attributes, rather than just his heading and his ability to be a target man, mm. is how good he is with the ball at his feet. He yeah. actually looks more confident playing on the ground and sort of running in behind and and playing in the channels and, and allowing players to feed off him with his back to goal than mm. just purely using it in the air. But he is good in the air as well. He scored a header already. He's not worried about sort of throwing himself at the ball if needs be, mm. um, which obviously the statistics he's pulled out point to. Um, but he sort of, he seems as if he's a more, a taller and more physical version of what Naki Wells is rather than just mm. being a, a brute, which I imagine is what Laurent Departure is going to be there for. Who? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, a... I'll be honest. I'm not entirely sure about Departure. He, he hasn't done too well um, outside of, uh, of Belgium. Um, so he's been affectionately think... uh, dubbed the bricklayer by Huddersfield fans. <laughs> oh, um, really? Which, <laughs> which I imagine sort of gives an idea of his physique. But mm. if Huddersfield didn't have an awful lot of variety in attack last year, an attack was one of their weaker elements. I mean, they they won a large margin of their uh, matches last season by one goal. Yeah. Um, so sort of 2-1 was the average scoreline for them. Um, so it's it's interesting to see that, you know, if if needs be, there is somebody there who can be the route one guy and, mm. and sort of do that. And having seen the way he puts himself about in the games he's played already, which 
you know, honestly, it's not a big sample size, but you get an idea of players whenever you see them. Um, he appears to be that more than more than Mooney or anyone else will be. Mm-hmm. And you've got guys like Maloney coming as well. And if you are looking for someone to hit like a, a big swinging cross to a, to a guy who's good in the air, I think I mean, he's shown both Fulham that he, he's got that in his locker as yeah. well. Um, and speaking of like winning matches 2-1 and all the rest of it, uh, Zanka at the back, who they've brought in from um, from Copenhagen, uh, he's he, he's been a Champions League level centre-back. So we talk about these elite players that Huddersfield don't have. I mean, he was pretty good um, last season. I think, I look at the stats, he averaged 10 defensive actions in the Premier League group stages and won 63% of his duels. And that was up against um, Porto, Leicester and all the rest of it. So it wasn't the strongest group, but obviously he's got experience of, of playing European football. He's won the Danish... Uh, title five times he's five time danish cup winner as well he's an international player um so yeah i think he, he'll be a rock at the back hopefully for for wagner as well and he's, he is again quite classy on the ball as well yeah he, he appears to be very comfortable at the ball both central defenders do him and christopher schindler um mm. look as if they might be a, a real cornerstone of this season and, and be a good partnership um mm. which is one of the areas in which wagner and klopp actually differ a lot is that Wagner seems to want to build his side from back to front um, yeah. and have a solid defence, whereas Liverpool defence is an honest shambles, I think. You know, if me yeah. and you put a couple yeah. of games together, Greg, we could probably get a decent partnership going <laughs> for Liverpool. Well, I think, um, I think Klopp's whole thing is that it's... Um his defenders are going to be exposed to one-on-one duels anyway, so he just has to make sure they're good enough to cope with it. But yeah, you're right, I mean... Wagner's a bit more cautious in that sense. And that's why I think actually seeing uh, Danny Williams come in is quite, uh, quite interesting because we saw what Dean Whitehead became for Huddersfield and I kind of see him as, as Whitehead's successor really is that kind of, uh, you know, kind of ball recycling um, anchor man at the back to kind of screen the defence potentially. So, I mean, I think that's definitely going to be needed. Uh, we, we talked about compromising and all the rest of it, but I don't think Wagner's stupid. Like when he comes up against a side that's strong in midfield, I think adding an extra man there, it's, it's not going to necessarily prevent Huddersfield from playing their football, but I think it would just be a, a, a wise tweak to throw into some games. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, finally, just to end, Greg, thanks very much for your time. But um, yeah, no what would be your... Progr- uh, I was going to say progression then, but I mean prediction. <laughs> uh, prediction for next season for Dusfield. Do you think they'll stay up? Do you think they'll be mid-table? Are they going to sneak a Europa League place? What do you, <laughs> do you think is going to happen? Uh, well, I mean, Leicester won the Premier League, so uh, no, 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 being seriously. Um, I, I mean, I'm, if Huddersfield expect- won the Premier League, that Leicester fairy tale looks absolutely shocking. <laughs> I know, absolutely. Jamie Vardy's yeah. books will be kindled in, uh, in fires. <laughs> A uh, question for you, out of all the Huddersfield, like, who will write the book if um, if they do win it? Uh, well, I'm sure we'll have a scrap <laughs> between us. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I meant the team. Who's going to be the Jamie Vardy character with oh, the, right. the autobiography? Oh, I thought you meant who's, which journalist is going to do it. <laughs> um, which I imagine a battle royale of every northern correspondent in the country. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. Who, who's the... I'd probably be somebody like Tommy Smith, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, who's sort of... Manchester City youth player that got picked up was you know deemed before Wagner's coming as the as the weak link in defence and Wagner's pretty much done a sort of a, a soothsaying job on him and, and turned <laughs> him around to the point where he was the outstanding right back in the championship last season a, a standing captain for town and one of their better players um, mm. from you know almost nothing previously so um, that might be. That might make, be make, him, but I don't imagine any of them well. have that. You've sort got a of... thing in terms of like the, the the puns. They love a pun title, so it could be like you know taking the Premier League 
down under. I don't know, some kind of horrendous Australian pun based on Aaron. Aaron Moy is the know. is extremely soft spoken and humble. He's the genuinely the last player who will want anything of that nature. Doing he couldn't he couldn't <laughs> want to shun the celebrity more than he, he currently does. <laughs> it's a very powerful it's... microphone. It'll be all right. But um, it, but going back to the question at hand, because yeah. I've, I've I've curveballed it all over the place. Yeah, you, you um, turned it I, around I, I, on me. Sorry, what was that? You said you turned it around on me. It's supposed to be me asking questions. I know, I know. It's terrible. It's terrible. I've, I've kind of counterpressed you in your own podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I, I, I'm, I think, and I hope that um, Huddersfield um, establish themselves. Um, in the Premier League, I think I hope they stay up really because um, I think they've got more in common with Swansea than any other kind of side that have come up. They've got their identity, they've got a manager that's very smart about what they do. Um, so I'm hoping that all pays off for them. And I, I think the signings they've done for the most part have been really clever and well thought out. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping this is just the start rather than a, a nice high watermark to drop back to. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. But I think um, they'll be an asset to the Premier League, whatever happens, I think. Because I think, uh, as you said a bit earlier on, people will be surprised by their football. I think they'll be surprised by the ambition with which they play as well. Um, so, you know, whether or not people watch them in their actual games, they'll see plenty of them on match of the day. Yeah, perfect. Thanks very much then for your, for your time, Greg. Um, we'll be sure to speak to you further down the line if possible. Yep, just give us a chat whenever you need us. Brilliant. Thanks to, to Greg for that chat. Uh, it's interesting speaking to numbers people. Uh, Rory's back with us. We've got uh, a listener question, our first ever one, um, from Nick Bins, who was asking, asking us sorry, uh, about Kavari, who's on uh, trial at present. Uh, what do we know about him, Rory? Well, not too much, to be perfectly honest. Uh, he's <laughs> from uh, Rennes, is the club that he's currently at, League One. Yeah. Uh, born in Guadeloupe, which is a sort of a French colony in some part of the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, didn't do geography, did you, Rory? No, I didn't do geography. <laughs> um, but yeah, and he's, well, we know he's a right back. We know he played really, really pretty well against Barnsley in, yeah. in, in the time he was on the pitch. Um Wagner was saying after the game that he was impressed with him going forward. Uh, he said that he did run out of legs um, at one point, but he's only been training for the club for a couple of days. Exactly, it, so. and and Wagner did go on to say that a few of the other players as well. Probably, you know, it's still pre-season, we're only halfway through. Yeah, there's still a bit more fitness to get into them. Um, and Wagner today was supposedly talking to his representatives to see if he could train for another couple of days and play uh, against Udinese on Wednesday. So signs are looking positive. Um, I think you know town have been linked to a few right backs. They need a bit of competition for for Tommy Smith. Um, well, Smith's injured at the moment, so we need somebody who's probably going to start the season there. Yeah, and as good as Martin Crane is, been deputising. You'd imagine he'd he'd want him as a utility defender who'd yeah. come in when needed when there's been an injury or two, and as a rotation player because he's not a natural right back. Even though he's done really well there when needed, you'd want somebody who is a you know, yeah. first choice right back rather than Martin Craney fitting in. Definitely, I think Martin Craney is. He, he played really well last season. I, personally, I'd rather play him at centre back. I think he's he's a better centre back than he is a right back. Um, yeah. And I, I think a championship, like we said before, you could you can get away with with playing a player like not get away with because he did a good job there. But in the Premier League, you need someone a bit more dynamic, someone a bit probably quicker who can get forward and back. Yeah. You know, a bit more more a specialist in that position. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's obviously what Cavare is. Um, and, you well, know, what do you we'll think see. this um, this means for Yadam? Because obviously he was on the pitch for Barnsley, mm-hmm. uh, a player that 
town have been linked to it extensively. Apparently, they're holding out for around two million. We've been quoted, I think. Yeah. Uh, town have offered not that much, obviously. Otherwise, he'd already be at the club. You'd imagine Cavari's in the last year of his contract at Wren, yep. so it won't be that much. It will be a cheaper option, a younger option, is it? Um, or similar sort of age. They're yep. in their early twenties, aren't they? Yeah. Another attacking right back. Um, Sounds as if this is probably the more intelligent deal of the two. Because neither of the two are particularly experienced in the Premier League. Yeah, Adam's never played there, although... No, I think I think both of them are... You know, you're taking a punt on both of them, really. I think, yeah. you know, you, you can... You know, how scouting works now, they do all, all their scouting on sort of stats and they look at what the player's like on a page before yeah. going to see them and that kind of thing. I think, I think both of them are going to be backups. They're not going to do what Scott Malone... Will do f- to Chris Lerver in pushing, yeah. pushing for the jersey. I think these two, you know, are, are, both of them will have the same role. Um, and I think, to be honest, for two million pounds, I don't know if it's it'll if, be if less it's, than if that it's the Yorkshire in me that doesn't want to pay two million pounds <laughs> for a right back. But you know, I'd, I'd rather go for the cheaper option and and see. You know, we've seen David Wagner works wonders with with fullbacks as well because he's yeah. turned Tommy Smith into the best in the championship. Yeah. So you know you you hope he can do that. Season with the previously as well. as well, Tommy Smith was seen as the weakling defensively, and to go from that to standing captain yeah. was a meteoric rise. Really, team of the season, all that sort of business. His um, his personal journey was as impressive as Huddersfield's as a team, yeah. purely because of how unexpected it was. People, you know, were anticipating that he'd be replaced last season and all that sort of thing, but it never happened. And you know. As you say, if Wagner can do that with a younger player, then there's no reason why they can't be, you know, a success. I mean, Cavara looks as if he's got all the attributes that Wagner would look for in a fullback. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it seems like a fairly good deal. Hopefully, we get to see him play against yeah. Udinese, and then you know there'll be more of us who've who've seen him firsthand and have got a, sort of an idea of what he's about. Um, but that seems like a clever idea to me. Yeah, I think so. I think. You know all the all the sort of big money deals that are coming in. I think if you can get someone over the line who's who's a, a youngster who's willing to prove himself, you know, for for five hundred thousand pounds or however much it's going to be, um, you know, it's, it's, it's only a good thing, isn't it? Um, any current news? That's um, probably best place to to leave the podcast. I think the biggest town story over the past week or so has been the emerging reports that Swansea are interested in £10 million rated Philip Billing. Um, he was in and out of the side last season with, with Hogg and Moy being so, um, such a good partnership um, with you know injuries and that he deputised and then he got injured himself, unfortunately, towards the end of the year, just when he was really picking up. Um, I'm a huge fan of his. Um, when I first saw him last season, after a couple of games, I wrote a column on him uh, elsewhere that just said that, you know, the kid has got every tool he needs to be mm-hmm. a fantastic player in his position. You know, his size is an asset. Um, you know, he's only going to get stronger and fill out as he gets older. Um, but it's his touch on the ball, his vision, the expansiveness of his play, the, he doesn't flinch when given the ball. He's not scared of being on the ball. There's there's just a a real joy to watching him with the ball at his feet and seeing yeah. what he does with it because even even more than my even more than anyone else there's a unpredictability with his distribution 
that there isn't with other people. Um, and it's not as if he's knocking Hollywood balls for fun. He will just pop a ball over the top where you don't expect him to without looking. Mm-hmm. And it'll go to where he wants it to go. There's, you know, there's an obvious amount of class with what he does and, and how he plays. Um, I mean, the Manchester City game away, he played two of the most ridiculous reverse passes I've, I've seen from a town player. Created a goal for the first one, should have created a goal for the second one, but I think it was Joe Lolly that didn't finish it off, which isn't really a surprise. <laughs> Joe Lolly's not the the most prolific goal scorer in the world. Um, but I, 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 the club aren't keen on getting rid of it. No, I... Like like you were saying, just just watching him play, he just the way he moves with the ball is it's almost sort of graceful. It's, it's yeah. so he's so light on his feet for a really big man, um, and it's the sort of the deft touches which you you know you would, you'd expect a big man, you know, balls bouncing off his yeah. knees and stuff. But he's just so good with the ball at his feet. Personally, I'd like to see him play higher at the pitch. I think he's probably more of a number ten. Okay, um, I wouldn't play him in that sort of central two. I'd, I'd play him a bit further forward because I think he's so unpredictable and yeah. you know he can knock balls through and 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 find sort of corridors for whoever to run on and, and hmm. net. It's interesting because I think if he was to play number ten, he'd be more of a specialist ten than the players that are currently there. Mm-hmm. So you would be sacrificing some of the the position swapping because I don't yep. imagine you'd catch him popping up on the wings as much. But no. with his eye for goal, I mean, the boy can <laughs> smack a football. Screamers, it, yeah. it reminds me a bit of a young Tom Hulston, the way he gets through it. Because, you know, two-footed, I don't think I've ever seen him hit the ball poorly. Even if he's knocking it into Rose Z, he's caught it nicely. Yeah. <laughs> caught it too well, if anything. Um, the two goals he scored, the two uh, standout goals even, rather than, because he scored more than that, he scored yeah. a winner last year at home. But, you know... Cardiff season yeah Forest the season before some ridiculous efforts I mean you can see why Swansea are after him because he fits in perfectly with what they do and how they want to play football well I think you know with Sigurdsson going he would be pretty much a like for like replacement Um, and I think the only thing I would say I don't think Town are going to sell him personally I think he's he's, I'd hope not he's going to be too valuable to take 10 mil for him now would be ridiculous I think especially when when Swansea are getting supposedly fifty mil for, <laughs> for Gilfie Sigurdsson, yeah. you know Phil Billingsworth, you know twenty five mil if that's the case. Yeah. Um, so I don't think we'll see Phil Billing leave, and and I think, like we said before, he's got he's got all the ability and he's got all of the the sort of the attributes you need to be a Premier League footballer. So I don't. I think, think for him as a as a player, he's not the finished article yet. There is no. development left to do. I think it'd be perhaps too much too soon for him to go to Swansea because if he's given the task and he's presented as the Sigurdsson replacement that's you know an awful lot for him to bear straight away yeah. whereas at town where maybe he'll play a bit less or he'll have to sacrifice some playing time he'll be given more of a one-on-one treatment by Wagner Wagner will know how good he is and if there's anyone who's going to make him a better player quickly it'll be him um, so I'd imagine that Town's the best possible place for him to be at present. Um, although, you know, going forward, you'd imagine at some point there will be a very big bid for him and he yeah. will have to go at the point where financially it makes more sense for him to be yeah. elsewhere. No, absolutely. I think, you know, you know we've praised him quite a lot because, you know, he's he's going to be a Premier League footballer. I think there's, there's not really any doubt about that in no. my mind. So, you know, I think he just needs... A, say a season with Town in the top flight, 
and then see what happens after that. Because, you know, halfway through this season, he could, you know, have a run of games and be sort of undroppable for, for yeah. David Wagner. And I think that's, for me, that would be the way to come through rather than, like you say, going for a big move to Swansea and having that pressure immediately on you um, to produce from the word go, from the first one. And, and especially because Sigurdsson was so central to everything Swansea did yeah. last season. You know, without Sigurdsson, they'd go down. Mm. They would have gone down. So I think with Billing as well, there is every chance this season that Swansea will be one of the sides that Huddersfield are, are in and around. Um, if he plays well, then there's a possibility of making an even higher jump than... I wouldn't want to call Swansea a sideways move because they're an established Premier League side, whereas Huddersfield are a newly promoted one. But they're a they're a bigger fish in the sea, yeah. and that's why talking about players inevitably leaving, I don't think it's necessarily a defeatist attitude. Um, you know, as about Tottenham, who finished second and third the past few seasons, and there are players I'm aware of that will leave the club at some point because it'll become a point where they for their own career progression, have to go elsewhere. Um, I think hiding from that and pretending as if that doesn't exist, pretending as if there aren't bigger fish in the sea, is self-defeating. Because unless you're Real Madrid or Barcelona, I think it's probably only those two clubs now that are safe from knowing that your players can approach. And even now, there's rumours of Neymar going to PSG, so it's not as if everyone's safe. Uh, we had the whole Ronaldo debacle at the start of the year even so there's a lot to be aware of especially with China spending all the money they are Um, I think the club are aware of it too because we've spoken about them buying players who retain their value and I think it's you know you look at the way that clubs like Southampton have operated where they know they've created a player who is higher of a higher level than the club currently is and they go but they reinvest that money intelligently in their mm. academy and in replacing them for a like for like. So the club never really drops off, but you're in that strange state of inertia until you build up to a level where you know, you can hold on to these players more. I'd also say about the club that I think Dean Oyle and David Wagner are too smart to let to let Phil Billing go to a rival. Because yes. you know, if he does have an unbelievable if he did go to Swansea and had an unbelievable season and Huddersfield go down and Swansea finished seventeenth <laughs> You know, there wouldn't be uproar because, you know, he's done such a good job anyway. No one yeah. expects him to be there. But there would be questions asked, like, why did we mm. let that player go? Especially to a rival. So I think, you know, if, and as well, in the Premier League, you look at the top six, ju- only judging by last season, really, look at the top six and they're kind of set. Everyone from sort of ninth below can finish in any of those positions. It's two different leagues, isn't it? It's yeah. two different leagues in one. So, so like, would would they sell to even... Whoever finished ninth last year, West Ham. West Ham. Would they sell to West Ham? Would they sell to, I don't know, West Brom? Would they sell to yeah. any of these clubs? Because anyone can go down. Mm. Anyone in the in the bottom twelve can go down easily. Yeah. So I don't think I don't think they'll, especially not in their first season in the Premier League. I don't think they'll make that move. Yeah, I mean the reason I bring it up is because I know that fans, especially now, while the mood is so good, while everything's so positive while the transfers have been excellent, while there's still this so much hope and so much excitement about what is to come in the Premier League, the last thing that people want to be sat around discussing is relegation and losing players and where people are going to go next. And we're not going to do that because 
personally speaking, I, I don't think Town are going to go down. I actually no, think they're going to surprise, surprise a few. I can actually see the trajectory of next season being very similar to what it was this, where they start incredibly well while people have underestimated them, people have talked them down. People underestimate Wagner as well because they don't understand how good he is as a coach, how intelligent he is tactically, how much nuance there is in the play he's able to produce. Um, and I think he will beat teams that don't take him seriously enough. We saw that when, when Manchester City came here in the yeah. league game. You know, they, hardly, they hardly put a week in seat. No, they, they play their first team, but they played them thinking they'd just be able to roll over and have the belly stickle. Yeah. But it wasn't the case because... It was a second string Huddersfield team against a uh, you know fairly first grade Manchester City side, but because the structures were in place, it was you know. Neck I and actually, neck. Yeah, I think to be honest, I think for all the for all the sort of the luxury players that Man City have, Huddersfield Town just looked better drilled. Looked yeah, like David Wagner had just drilled his players better than Pep Guardiola had, especially Fitter. for that game. And and even the one, even the game against City, you know, all the the attacking. Outlets for City clicked um, yeah. at the Etihad. You lose five one. You know, I wouldn't say that's bad management. I'd just say that's just what money br- money brings you, isn't it? It brings you players that can produce out of nowhere, and then as soon as you go three one down, it's you know it's an uphill battle for them. I mean, getting a five one away at City with a second string side isn't an yeah. embarrassment whatsoever. Um, and I don't think that's going to be indicative of what's going to happen next year. I imagine Huddersfield might catch one or two beatings, but that's par for the course. Everyone yeah. really does. Um, it's not out of the question for those top six sides to put five or six past each other. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just what happens in the Premier League. Um, so, you know, I just wanted to say that so that if anyone thought we'd been self-defeatist at all, it's, it's yeah. not. I think it's actually a level of, of pragmatism and realism that the club themselves employ. And I think that's the most intelligent place to be because if you pretend everything's all roses, you pretend that nobody's ever going to leave, you act as if everything is set in stone, as if, you know, just because Christopher Schindler's just signed a new contract, it's not stopping somebody bidding 15 million for him tomorrow yeah. and, you know, him going. Um, that's just a fact of life, especially in football, which is so ruled by money nowadays. Especially in the Premier League where contracts... Contracts don't mean anything. It means no. you can get more money for them when you sell them on. That's yeah. that's about it nowadays. Yeah. So I think um, being as, as honest and upfront with that as possible is going to stand the club in the best stead, and I think that's where where they are at present. Um, is there anything else? Anything else we we've got? Any breaking news? Anything we're aware of? Schindler's new contract. Yeah, thing? yeah. That's that's literally just happened as we we sat <laughs> here. So yeah, uh, twenty twenty deal runs too. Um, as we said, contracts don't mean that much, but you know, it's so well deserved pay rise for the man that's uh, yeah, <laughs> putting the winning penalty. I wonder how much the hundred and seventy million he's getting from Dean Oil on that. But um, I imagine there's some signing bonus or something in there for yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and surely he's going to be the penalty taker next season. <laughs> I, d- I don't think so, but um, he'll he'll be starting next year for definite. Um, if we're gonna, if we, we'll end it with one last question, where do you think Town will finish next year? Uh, if you have to put a million dollar question, isn't put, it? Put um, a number on it, one to twenty, where okay. they, where they're finishing. Well, I think the top six is set in stone. Yeah. So uh, seven. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, so I reckon. I personally, I wouldn't be surprised if they did finish top half. I think anywhere from tenth to fifteenth. Yeah. Is where I see them finishing. I think you know, a good season for Town is them staying in the Premier League. 
I think they'll have a better season than that. I think they if they stay be... up by goal difference, it's a miracle. Yeah, exactly. Given that they had the fourth lowest spend of any championship club last year, and they're having to play far bigger game of catch up than Newcastle or Brighton mm-hmm. are, if they stay up and they manage to establish themselves in the Premier League, it's one of the most astute runnings of a football club that has happened in recent yeah. history in England. It's it one of the best managerial jobs. It, it already, already is, is, but it'll be even more so. Yeah, It's yeah. one of the best managerial jobs that have been done. Mm-hmm. We don't know how long David Wagner will be about because the more success he has at town, the bigger clubs that are going to come. Yeah. He's already turned down giants. Wolfsburg are not a small club. They may be struggling at present, but they are a, an Everton, Tottenham-sized club mm-hmm. in Germany, which is no small matter. Uh, it's only a few years ago that they had Kevin De Bruyne and a few years before that they'd won the league so um, these are you know it's it's uncharted territory for the club but what number if you had to put a number on it a number I'll go 14th I'm going to go for 13th Uh, 13th is my lucky number but um, I honestly think they'll I can see them spending sort of the first half of the season in the top half ninth tenth sort of area having won a few shocked a few sort of that sort of a thing mm. being more confident in establishing themselves and many of the Premier League clubs are because they're, they're going through bigger rates of flux than, yeah. than town are it's changing managers you know but whole new players coming in losing players all that sort of business I actually think town are going to be one of the more better settled and sort of yeah. sure I've, of themselves sides I think what what you can't underestimate as well was the pre-season that town had last year yeah. And this this preseason as well mirrors that in that they get the business done early. Yeah, they have enough time to bed the players in, and also the the amount of time that the players spend together, but also the players' families spend with each other as well. Yeah, it breeds that that incredible atmosphere in the dressing room that I don't think I've ever seen in football before before last season. Yeah, with town, so I think there's going to be a lot a lot to be said for this preseason, a lot to be said to getting the players into David Wagner's mindset. Which I think you can already start seeing happening. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think they'll they'll come out of the traps, and I think I'll, I'll go one further and I'll say they'll beat Crystal Palace on the opening day of the season, and then from there we'll see. Okay. Um, I think that's everything. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are OTBA Pod, uh, which is the handle. Um, the podcast will be online on Audio Boom on iTunes if you subscribe via there. It'll be on the website as well, embedded. Uh, there's an email address which is podcastexaminer.co.uk for any feedback or any questions. Um, we've posted an article as well that I wrote on the Examiner website. It's on our Twitter feed as well, which explains everything we're wanting to do with the podcast. It gives all the links, all the addresses, and all the relevant information you need. But, you know, this is a, a new thing for us. We're going to be rolling with it for a while. Uh, but the more you get involved, the more you'll get out of it. Me taking the lead on this, the, the intention is um, for this to be something for for the fans from us more than articles and things are. The news pieces, this is a place for us to create an open dialogue with the, the fans and have a bit of a relationship and a rapport because, as I said before, this club means more to you than it does to anyone else and you know Huddersfield Town not Huddersfield Town without the fans and I think those are the people that we want to create this for and, and make sure are, are happy with what we're doing and, and the more you interact with us the the better this is this becomes really doesn't it so yeah. um, thanks very much for listening to the first ever one we'll be back on Thursday after we've all seen Town beat Udinese I think and yeah, then we'll yeah, yeah. we'll have a better idea <laughs> of, of players and uh, 
and we'll have seen him in the flesh and we'll be able to, to have that. Um, before they head to Austria as well. Before they head to Austria, so yeah. Um, we'll speak to you then. Bye-bye. Nu, de Samsung S9 Plus. Voor een genadeloos lage prijs. Check tele2.nl voor de beste deal voor jou. Niet omdat het moet, maar omdat het moet.